Last night, I had a dream. When I got to Africa, I had one hell of a rumble. I had to beat Tarzans behind first for claiming to be the king in the jungle. For this fight, I've wrestled with alligators. I've tussled with a whale. I done handcuffed lightning and put thunder in jail. You know I'm bad. I have murdered a rock. I injured a stone and I hospitalized a brick. I'm so bad, I make medicine sick. I'm so fast, man, I can run through a hurricane and don't get wet. When George Fulman meets me, he'll pay his debt. I can drown a drink of water and kill a dead tree. Wait till you see Muhammad Ali. You know how great I am. I don't have to tell you about my strategy. I tell let my trainer tell you, Bodini, come here. Bodini, tell him, what are we going to do? You're going to float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. Ah, rumble, young man, rumble. Ah. Welcome to Two Old Farts Talk Sci-Fi. I'm David Klink. And I'm Troy Harkin. And uh, we're pretty stoked for this episode, eh, David, on uh, to commemorate Black History Month, which is our first kick at the can, but something we hope to revisit uh, often in the future. And you know what? Uh, we, want, uh, we want our guest, Wayne, to have the floor as much as possible today because uh it's black history month and and we are not black so we'd like to get as much info uh from wayne but i will get this out of the way as we often do a beatleism on the show so i have a quick one that ties in with black history month and that is that uh when the beatles first came over uh to do tours in america they were kind of horrified to find out that there was segregation in some of the stadiums in the south and they put it into their contract that they would not play to a segregated audience, that um, everyone had to have, uh, you know, first crack at the tickets. And it would be uh, basically just an evenly mixed audience, if possible, because uh, they recognized that the roots of all of their music was basically from uh, black creators. <laughs> so um, and yeah, they, they were just used- most of the rock and roll back in those days. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, and yeah. most of the music that we have through the 20th century. Yeah. Um, uh, and also I'll just throw into a quick one that I'd heard as well, that in the early days of the Rolling Stones doing TV appearances, they insisted that people like uh, Howling Wolf uh, and people who had influenced them or, or who created songs that they covered would also be on the show. Mm-hmm. So people would sort of, you know, know where the music came from. Anyway, that's it for me on that, David. Should we push on? Absolutely. Um, We do have a special guest for this episode. Wayne Brown is joining us. Um, Troy, will you be so kind as to play our spoiler alert? You know what? I'm actually going to hand over the controls of the spoiler alert to Wayne for this for this episode. So if you would like to push the button, Wayne, you feel free. Which oh, the spoiler alert button like here? Sure. That's the one. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert! Oh, thank you very much, man. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Was it good Troy. for you? <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Troy. Yeah, there's some woman from Germany calling to say, asking you to stop doing that, but just kidding. <laughs> um, so uh, that was a Stephen Wrightism. Um, thanks, Troy and Wayne. Uh, we are recording the session via Zoom in the interest of transparency. I've known Wayne for a long time, and I've been a guest at Astronomicon, which is a convention that he runs over the years. And I also enjoy playing in the poker tournaments uh, that are held there. Um, Now to introduce Wayne, Mm -hmm. Wayne Brown is a twin, but he's not the evil one. No, no, I'm not. I do do have a twin now, but I'm not the evil. He does. Okay. (laughs) Uh, He started reading SF books when he was gifted a copy of Danny Dunn and the homework machine. And Danny Dunn and the Anti-Gravity Paint. Right. Yeah. Uh, he started reading comics early on. There was a newsstand down the street from his grandmother's apartment. He thinks it must have been somewhere around 1968. In 1979, he went to his first convention. It was the Chicago Comic-Con. 
He had just gotten his driver's license and decided after work that he would drive from Rochester to Chicago. He was young. A 12-hour drive was nothing. He got hooked from then on. He got back and started the Rochester Fantasy Fans. And that's been his life ever since. Yeah. Cool. That's about cool. sums it up. Sums it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, the future is yet to be written, isn't it? Yeah, true. Um, Two Old Fires Talk Sci-Fi is a look back to when we fell in love with a speculative genre to recall these times with fondness and affection. I always like to start an episode with a quote. The quote I picked is, bury me in the ocean with my ancestors that jumped from the ships because they knew death was better than bondage. And that was Killmonger's quote from Black Panther. And certainly Black Panther seems to be a very tragic, almost theatrical and Shakespearean uh, character, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, that, that's, <clears throat> that's why they, like I said, that's why they brought him back in the new What If series on uh, Disney Plus. It's like, they did what if Killmonger had become the Black Panther. And it's a, it's great because things just, it's just a great series. If you, if you get to see that episode, you should watch that episode. It's, it is good. And then they did a new one this season too. But it's good. Yeah, I know David and I both uh, did rewatches uh, of Black Panther and prepping for the show. And um, yeah, I was struck by, you know, how, well that film stands up to repeated viewings and my wife was saying that you know it's got these great shakespearean elements to it and uh and killmonger is just such a great uh a tragic villain like your heart goes out for him really uh towards the end because we know what what he has lived through and why he's become the person he's become and i also said to david too that that's often the case with with a lot of the marvel villains they're not you know just black and white villainous you know he's, they... a, he's a great magneto yes <laughs> if, if you look at marvel if you look at the marvel universe magneto usually takes over for uh professor x when professor x is out of the un out of the off the planet or it capacitates somehow usually magneto takes over the x-men yeah and I... runs the x-men yeah and you're not going to see either uh, Lex Luthor or the Joker running the Justice League, you know, when, when the other guys are out of town. Except for <laughs> yeah. he has recently. He, oh. He has, he's bequeathed all of his money. He got locked up in the prison after Superman came back from War World. And, um, and he bequeathed all of Lex Luthor's uh, money and influence and everything to Superman, and Superman now runs LexCorp, but it's not LexCorp anymore. It's Superman Corps. Oh, interesting. Yes. Okay. You're going to get me hooked into my Wednesday habit again, aren't you? (laughs) I I can tell by the end of this conversation. I'm not giving you any ideas. You don't have to go to the comic store and look at anything. You know. (laughs) Well, sadly, my two local shops have uh, packed up uh in the in the last year two of them like just went under but wow. uh, mm. anyway where are we off to david um so uh what we'd like to do is just know some of the the history your background um wayne when it comes to how you were first brought into the whole because because troy and i love science fiction fantasy and horror all its connections all of its subheading all of that yeah, so we were wondering what was your first speculative genre memory? I don't know. I liked Twilight Zone when I was a kid. And Outer Limits was a really scary show when I was also when I was a kid. But my show to watch, even above Star Trek, was Lost in Space. Mm. Because it had a kid. And I was a kid, so yeah, and there mm. were kids, so that's I liked Lost in Space a lot. So I used to watch, that was my show to watch, Lost in Space. It's amazing how much that show connects to people of different ages and different backgrounds. Um, it was a big window to, to everyone, to the whole science fiction idea. I remember it used to come on Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock. And yeah. It was like Swiss Family Robinson in space almost kind of thing, yes, that whole yes. family kind of thing. 
what was the first speculative genre thing that you actually fell in love with and why? Sometimes it's the same thing that you first experienced, but what do you think? I don't know. Um, there's so much I like in the field. You know, I like comics. I like, uh, I will say gaming, but gaming came way after. I like science fiction and, and, and the books and, um, and the TV shows, like definitely the TV shows because it was there every week. So I could just watch Star Trek. I could watch Lost in Space. I could watch Twilight Zone. I could watch Outer Limits. So it was a great time back in the day to watch stuff. Mm. Absolutely. Thanks, Wayne. Uh, we would like to get into your all-time genre faves. Here are some rapid-fire questions about your favorite genre things. We're just looking for titles. But if you feel the urge, you can expand a bit. We do wish to okay. get to talking about Black superheroes soon. Okay. Um, for this season, we just ask um, six favorite categories. Um, and, Troy, if you can uh, do these, that would be great. Oh, I would love to. Um, Wayne, who is your favorite genre author of all time? Of all time? Hmm. Past or present or future? Oh, let's see. <laughs> um, past would have to be, well, my favorite book is The Runaway Robot by Lester Del Rey. Whenever I go to, whenever I am out looking at used books and I see a copy of it, I'll buy a copy of it. Even though I've got copies of it, I'll just buy another one because I like it so much. Uh, I've been reading a lot of Mary Robinette Cowell's uh, Lady Astronaut series, and those are pretty good books. And uh, anything by Rob, Rob Sawyer, mm. I, I, I buy his books too. So anything by him. Those are the three really authors I Definitely follow whenever I can. I've got a lot of Lester Del Rey stuff. I've read uh, The Spare Man by Mary Robinette Cowell, which isn't the Lady Astronaut series, but the chapter titles in each each chapter is a mixed drink recipe. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> nice. Okay, so I believe we just got your favorite genre novel, but what about your favorite genre shorter work? Cold Equations. Mm. That's, a, that's a good one. Mm. Um, Sand Kings is another good one. Oh yeah. Um, what is it? Um, there's a one with the another George R. R. Martin one, uh, with berries, death berries. I can't remember what it's called. Um, it was in his Sand Kings collection. I like that too. Now, so I, I like a lot of stuff. That's good. <laughs> That's good. Now, here's the you know, it's hard to nail it down, but. All things considered, what would your favorite genre TV show be? I have a list. <laughs> and Twilight Zone is number one, followed by, I think, Babylon 5, then, then, um, um, Babylon, Prisoner, um, and the, Superman animated series and and Lost in Space. Those are just because I like those. And then Star Trek is in the top ten. But, yeah, excellent. Now um, uh, I'm going to throw this in now, just because it sort mm -hmm. of ties in. Now, clearly, Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone is not a comic book and does not involve. Uh, oh no, I include Twilight but, Zone. It but, includes all iterations. Oh yeah. The eighties, the nineties, uh, the Jordan Peele ones, the yeah. 61, this twilight zone is twilight zone. Well, let me, let me suggest that you check out our previous two episodes on the twilight zone, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that, uh, you can find on your favorite podcast provider. But anyway, uh, I did want to, I did want to sort of touch on, uh, Jordan Peele's twilight zone quickly, just, um, you know, specifically relating to black history month, the um, episode three replay in which a mother is trying to drive her son to college, but it re is repeatedly harassed by a state trooper. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, officer. We're just taking my son Dorian here up to his first week of college. Up at the black school here? Tennyson. 
Yes, sir. Okay. Any weapons in the vehicle? We're just going to college. Your mother conveyed that. I'm asking if there are any weapons presently in this vehicle. No, sir. You know why I pulled you over? I was going too fast. Since you admitted it, I'll let that go. However, you were operating a handheld device while driving a motor vehicle. I I told him, sir, I'm sorry, my fault. Is that device recording? Um. Turn off that camera now. Why? She has the right to film. Turn it off. Hold on, hold on. Turn it off. Hold on. Which, I mean, I found that terrifying. And I can't imagine what it must be like for somebody who can really relate to it. Uh, any thoughts on that episode? Funny, funny thing is, um, coming back from, what was it, Ad Astra or was it uh, Anime North a couple of years ago? You know, I go, I go up to the convention, no problem getting across the border. Coming back, I get stopped. And it's not just stopped. You know, I get stopped at the border crossing, right? Yeah. And at the border crossing, where you, you hand them your passport or driver's license, whatever, I had a passport, hand them my passport, and I have to get out of the car there at the window and walk over to the building, not right. drive my car over to the building like I've done 50 years ago in the past. But no, I had to get out there and walk across. And then when I get out the car, there's like four or five um, border patrol guys there. And it's like, and it's like, I don't know what I've done. <laughs> I haven't done anything. Yeah. And then you go and you go in and it's like, oh, it's like mistaken identity. That was, oh. it was just somebody else named Wayne Brown. Oh, no. Yes. You must have been sweating. And it was like somebody else named Wayne Brown, somebody else my age from Rochester. And I said, I did go to with a Wayne Brown. I did go to high school with another Wayne Brown. But he was white, so it, it couldn't. But then the next week, I went to another convention, I think, in Toronto. And I come back, and I get stopped at the border again. And I have to do get out of the car, leave the car there, and walk over to the building. And I just don't sit in the regular part of the building. I have to go to the part where they buzz you into the door, and you can't get out until they buzz you out. <laughs> And it was still, again, mistaken identity. I said, but I was here last week. <laughs> and it's <laughs> like, and I'm here this week. And <sighs> and then I was coming up for another, I think I was coming up to Niagara Falls Comic Con the next week. <laughs> and I got the same thing again. And, wow. I said, and I said, could you tell me what this person did or who this person is or where I can maybe... I guess maybe look them up for you when I get back to Rochester, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and then uh, my last time I said, well, I'm coming back to go to another convention the next weekend. And I said, if you want, I could bring donuts, but they didn't stop <laughs> me. That but at, also that, that time is like each, each time is like, I had, you normally they take your fingerprints for mm. your, for your passport. Right. So my fingerprints are there. Oh, well, we need a new set of fingerprints. So they electronically took my fingerprints there. And then wow. the next week, they took another picture of me, even though I had my pictures in my passport. They got another picture of me at then. So that's just like, yeah, I understand. I was coming back from somewhere. And in my, in my laptop bag, I have a little die-cast Thunderbird 1. Mm. In my, and, but when you send it through, it looks like a bullet. Oh. <laughs> so they were, they, I, they, they stopped it and said, oh, what, what is this? It's like, it's, it's not, it's a Thunderbird. It's Thunderbird 1. See, it's got a rubber point on it. It's not a middle point. It's <laughs> die cast, but it's not a real weapon or anything. It's a toy. <laughs> it's that you just use it when I, I just take it with me, you know, international rescue, you know, for mm. if, when I'm traveling. It's like, it's nice to have a little thing. Yeah. That's, that's all I did. Okay, I'm going to go back to our little Q&A there, Wayne. That's my, it's my fault for taking us way off path there. But what's your all-time genre TV episode? Ah, episode. Um, I don't know. Episode, there's like, there's a lot of Babylon 5 episodes I like. Uh, they just showed Measure of a Man the other day on uh, for Next Gen. They showed, oh, 
duh, it fits in with Black History Month. Um, DS9's um, episode where he plays the, the where Cisco and all the guys are 1950s science, 60s science fiction writers. <laughs> I forgot about that one. Yeah, that one. That, that's an excellent episode. Can't remember the name of it, but that's an excellent episode. Can't remember the yeah, name. Yeah, it was something right. beyond the stars. Beyond the stars, yes, that's it. Yeah. Yep. Um, far, far beyond the stars. Far beyond this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's 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 a great episode. Yeah, incredible because yeah. it said so much about the time and mm-hmm. where we are and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah what's we your did. favorite genre movie there? My favorite genre movie is Superman the movie. That's what got me because in I collect comics and back then I collected like everything, all kinds of comics. I had some Marvels, I had some DCs and everything. When Superman the movie came out, I said this allowed me to focus on to just Superman. So I sold off all my other stuff. I traded really because I traded for super I traded for Silver Age Superman. So nice. It's like and I and I just became an avid Superman fan from then on. Oh, excellent. I'm a big Bizarro guy. I would love to have some of those Silver Age Bizarros. Oh, there's a, it, the new actions, action comics this month is Bizarro. Like, you yeah. are really trying to get me in there, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. And again, I don't have the room to store it. So, David, can you go for me? And then, oh, there, oh that's a cover. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great cover, man. Although I have to, I will fess up. I did buy the Wonder Woman number one relaunch from a couple of like a good month or so ago, as well as uh, there was, uh, I think, a number one Howard the Duck, or no, there was a Howard the Duck facsimile. standalone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Might have been a because Marvel's been doing facsimiles. They've been re- re- redoing all their old books that nobody can afford. They've just been reprinting them for like five bucks an issue. It's exactly the same issue, just new. Right, right. <laughs> five bucks, uh, you can afford it now. So yeah. yeah. Like yeah, Alpha but, Flight number one, they redid that. So, but yeah. do you get the Twinkies uh, uh, ads? I think I don't know. I think you might. I want my Twinkies ads and my Evil Knievels. <laughs> yeah, I want those in there. I remember I I saw one where you see uh, OJ Simpson pushing uh, running shoes. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I know that's the thing that I miss with like omnibus collections is like yeah, they the, have no like, ads and no Marvel bullpens. I think no. right, they don't reprint that stuff. It's just the story. No. And just for me, story. so much of uh, vintage comics is about that stuff. And mm. a lot of the new comics doesn't they don't have a lot of ads in the new comics. It's just the and there's like there's no oh there's an ad in like this one was the hellblazer ad but there's not a lot of stuff in them now and it's yeah. like a one page quarter page one column thing but there's not a lot of stuff no letter page like there used to be in the old days yeah we get sidetracked easy yep. yes yeah, that's all right that's all right it's all i figure it's all track it's all yeah. track out there all, right so somewhere it's okay. along the way it's a trip and it's just a winding trip that you're going to take exactly yeah yeah yeah, I was going to say something. We'll probably edit this out about the idea of O.J. Simpson pushing running shoes. Yeah. Um, the <laughs> idea that you have to actually, oh, they're handy, especially if you have to run. But um, uh, we'll just cut that the, out. Who, who I think. was the shoes that, uh, those Italian shoes that he had at the thing? I forgot. There was some fancy mm. Italian. So like a Gucci or something? Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but for the comics, they were just like AAU shoes shoes yeah i remember those yeah yeah i remember them for sure like i can see it i can't remember who 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 it was like it wasn't nike because nike wasn't the thing yet really but uh oh god it's gonna bug me now anyway (laughs) i'll have to go pull out a comic maybe it's in my (laughs) maybe it's in my justice league here probably not though anyway yeah Hi, listeners. This is Troy, the post-production version of Troy. Um, I just wanted to clear up the vagueness of this. Apparently in 1980, O.J. Simpson did cartoon ads in comic books for a brand called Spot Built. Spot Built Athletic Shoes. So now we know.
Well, let's get back on track. So on to uh, Black Superheroes. We're glad mm-hmm. to have an episode in recognition, as we said earlier, Black History Month. And we're glad to be doing this episode with Wayne. Um, for when we we always like when we do an episode is to, you know, ask the guests about their first experience of the show topic. So as was just wondering, Wayne, how you sort of became familiar, like who was your first or your favorite black superhero? Favorite would probably have to be Black Lightning. I've got the first set of all 12 or 13 issues of Black Lightning from the 70s. Um, and then um, back in the 70s, uh, there was an episode, there was an issue of Lois Lane where she decided to become black for a day. <laughs> and it's kind of like, DC doesn't do well with stuff like that. <laughs> At least mm. definitely back then. Um, but hey, it, it, Lois Lane being black on the cover of uh, is Lois Lane issue number one hundred six. I now have two of those. And she has and, she has like an afro, doesn't she? In it, yeah, I she believe. has an afro. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's like it it goes Lois Lane number one, Lois Lane number seventy. Lois Lane number 106 for value. <laughs> it's like the third most expensive Lois Lane book that there is. It might even be the second most expensive Lois Lane book. No, the first appearance of Silver Age Catwoman, uh, Lois Lane number 70 is probably more expensive. But yeah, that's the third most expensive issue of Lois Lane you could find. And it was just her deciding, would Superman love her if she was black? <laughs> so he took her to the fortress Put her in a black machine and turned her black. And so wow. she got to live out the day as a black woman. She got snubbed for uh, uh, picking up a taxi and stuff like that. So, yeah. So it was, it's, it's that's just the way it was back then. Wow. Do you have, do you have uh, something for this, David? Yeah. Um, for me, uh, um, I guess it would have been comics. It would have probably been Blade. Um, comics is probably for me an early uh, influence, and all depends on how you define a black or a superhero or someone who has powers. Um, Do they have to have powers? I don't think so. I think if you're uh, maybe not. Like he, I mean, like Batman doesn't have powers. Batman so, doesn't have powers. So or no. the grandfather of all superheroes, uh, all black superheroes, Shaft. Yeah. Mm. You know, that's where all black superheroes come from is is Shaft, the 1970s Shaft. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And as a result, I've actually become a, a Dolomite fan myself. Oh, yeah. Dolomite. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I remember back in this, I, I lived in the inner city of Rochester back then. And yeah. yeah, there was a movie house that on Saturdays you spent your 75 cents and it had movies on just repeat. You go in, and you just spent your 75 cent. You watch like three or four movies. You watch a karate movie, a couple of black movies, and they just kept them running one after the other after the other. Yep. And for any, any of our listeners uh, who haven't seen the Eddie Murphy uh, Netflix uh, story about uh, Rudy Ray Moore, you got to check it out. Cause and then you will want to watch Dolomite as well, yes. which is kind of need to do. Um, I, I guess for me, Dave, uh, it's, Sort of is a a quick two part or two part answer. One is um, I had from around seventy five, maybe earlier, um, one of the Marvel Treasury Edition Christmas comics with Luke Cage on the cover, and I think it's the first time I'd seen him. Uh, also had Black Widow in it too, um, and, and I didn't know either character at the time, and I sort of just became. Uh, mesmerized by Luke Cage, like I just thought he was such a cool-looking character. Yeah. Afro, like the chains, yeah, the shirt, <laughs> yeah, everything about it's like, man, who is this? Like mm. this is, and it's not like something man, blank man, you know. Um, uh, so yeah, Luke Cage has always been like one of my favorites. No, no but... it, was Luke, it was Luke Cage, Power Man. Yeah, Power Man, Power yeah. Man, and so probably pre that by a couple of years. Now, again, not necessarily like a black character, but um, 
Spidey on Electric Company with Morgan Freeman as Easy Reader. Like that combo, like I, I loved. The man that's going to be on the electric company is none other than Spider-Man. Ah, uh, get out of here. Hey, easy, let me explain it to you. What? Spider-Man is like in a funny book. It's a cartoon guy, you know? I mean, he ain't a real person. He's just a drawing. You know what I mean? Suit yeah, yourself, well. my man. Suit yourself. Listen, I got a jet on off here. Take my main squeeze in the library. You be cool. I'm yeah, gonna you yeah, you be cool. <laughs> You know, they put out the comic books that weren't Spider-Man in, in the actual Marvel continuity. I they think put- there is a black Spider-Woman in one of the Electric Company episodes. Oh, that rings a bell. Yeah. That rings a bell, man. But um, that probably for me was the first time like that I associated the combination of, um, you know, sort of Morgan Freeman as Easy Reader and he's with Spider-Man. And, you know, they're both teamed up in the books as well too so i thought that was really cool i think i even have a copy of it was a pizzazz i think or it was an electric company that had electric company magazine i think you know like yeah. everything those are the ones that i keep trying to find i would so love those are to the have, hard ones to find yeah i would love to have a run of spideys um the, the but, electric company spideys yeah yeah <laughs> yeah those are everybody wants those because those, oh, those yeah. are made for kids like if they're made for kids it's not like today when you go buy your comics today and uh they got like 50 different covers and stuff like that and people put them in bags and put them away <laughs> yeah. and in 25 well if uh, if it's a marvel next week it's doubled in price right but if it's uh if oh it's, yeah yeah if it's anything else it's like a year or two down the way, it's like worth a dollar. Yeah, and you're right, man, because they probably did not make it like no. into into the eighties, right? Because little no. kids would have been reading them and like literally devouring them. Like they would have got shredded and whatnot. One of the most expensive books right now nowadays is the first appearance of Harley Quinn. Mm. And that's in Batman Adventures number twelve. And that's a book for kids. And and the reason why it's expensive is Harley Quinn was there. And that book was for kids and yeah. kids bought it and read it and adults wouldn't buy that book because it was for kids. So now, now people are looking for it and it's expensive, a really expensive book to get. Now, see, I'm lucky because I was actually buying for my kids at the time. Oh, so, so you I, bought that. Well, I'm trying to remember if I have it because I kept thinking that Mad Love was the first thing, but you're right. It was actually in the in the Batman. series. Yeah, Batman yeah. Adventures number 12. So... Uh, Wayne, should we sort of go through some chronological things with the the history of black characters in comics? Um, would you like to approach it that way or what? Well, there's there's black characters in superheroes or just black characters in comics? Um, well, predominantly, like, like, you know, staying within the superhero range, although I, I thought we should probably mention all Negro comics. All Negro just... comics, but this is just a – it's just back in the day. They had a whole, there's like Negro Romance and all those books you can't really afford if you can find them. <laughs> but this is a, an anniversary edition. This was part of the Kickstarter and it contains all Negro comics number one. Oops. And it's a great book. <laughs> and there's also Lobo. He was a Western character from in the 70s or 80s. I forgot what oh, he yeah. was from. Mm-hmm. And he, I don't know. A black cowboy in you know riding in the west, so that would kind of also be kind of a hero at the time. Yeah, and so and for folks who don't know about all Negro comics, that came out uh, forty seven, I believe, nineteen forty seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was like really the, everything about it is um, created by you know black creators, artists, writers, and a, published, and it was a, a single issue, wasn't it? 
I think one or two is really okay. short. And the so, same thing with Negro Romance and all everything back then because there wasn't the market in and most places. Where were you going to sell it? Really? Yeah. Right. Because there there was basically very little distribution. You'd sell it. You'd go to the neighborhood and sell it in every neighborhood. That's how you'd get it sold. Yeah. Uh, now, I've got a question about a character that I don't know a lot about, but you might have some information on. Um, I know that uh, in 1934, we had the comic strip Mandrake with Lothar. Um, who's basically like a black sidekick, but with a very similar backstory to Black Panther, right? And that he was a uh, an African prince, uh, and he's super strong, and he's just he's set up not as we get later on with almost like um, comic relief with a black character. You know, this guy is pretty much Mandrake's equal. There you- was <laughs> I don't know much about it because. I don't know much about it, but I do know that there was a lot of black characters back then weren't really. They were all si- sidekicks or comic relief. Uh, Captain Marvel has a character. can't remember his name. Uh, but he had the big lips and the dark skin, and he was basically comic relief. And they kind of sloughed him off to the side, side after a while. Uh, the same thing like with um, um, Green Lantern's uh, oh yes, character Pipe. Oh, yeah, I know. know. Yeah, they kind of sloughed him off. They changed him around in the movie when they came out with the movie, and they made yes. him a real character. But it's like, well, I was wondering how they're gonna do him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like it's. But they they they're trying to give people of color at least a little bit of presence in movies today. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, you know, to look back on it and see these kind of, um, I guess, horrific depictions, you know, like physically yes. of people of co- color or basically just non-white characters, right. because I mean, I guess uh, partly we, I, I'm not looking for an excuse. It's, it's awful, but like we, what happened for a long time, I think was with the war, you know, Asians were vilified. And oh, so, yeah. so they could get away with that for a little bit longer than maybe they might have without that. But yeah, I mean, you see some of these images and it's just like, it's horrific. It's grotesque. Um, do we, where do we want to go next? Do we want to jump up to like, you know, the sort of quote unquote, the first uh, real black superheroes of like Black Panther and Falcon? Yeah. And I would think it would, wasn't, is it, I think it was, Black Panther appeared in was it? I uh, was in Jungle Action, a few Jungle Action mm-hmm. issues, and then he was in Fantastic Four, and I think it was Fantastic Four Fifty Two. Yeah, yeah, in yeah, in nineteen sixty six, yeah. And then there was Avengers eighty four, and yeah, uh, and there was one issue of Avengers where they're choosing the new lineup. And uh, Hawkeye is upset that he can get chosen, but Blank Panther got chosen. And it's like, and um, whoever the guy was in charge of of running, like Maxwell Lord for the Avengers, yeah, uh, he said, "Well, you know, we have to have a black person on the team, so you can't be on the team." And they <laughs> picked Black Panther instead. <laughs> Well, because you can only have one, right? Well, I guess that's the idea. Yeah. 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 And so what would you attribute sort of the, that, you know, all of a sudden we have, I guess in 69 Falcon and starting with 66 Black Panther, Mm -hmm. is this, is this, you know, sort of purely um, the uh, civil rights era and it's like a daily thing for, for, you know, Clearly, black folks would have loved a uh, a black superhero much earlier, but by this they point, we're one. talking about color issues all the time in '66 to '69. And that- and Marvel's always kind of been a little bit ahead mm-hmm. of the curve on that, you know, way way more than DC. Like I said, DC had the "I want to be black for the day" type thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, until yeah. they got till they got John Stewart. Who's, yeah, it was now basically the definitive Green Lantern. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, 
Marvel was aware that they had so many college age students, so they couldn't like speak down to them. And DC was just still thinking about their audience being children. Mm-hmm. So they, they wrote to that level. Yeah. Um, but you just, you just touched on uh, John Stewart. And it, I was going to say, actually, they, that DC felt like didn't get mature until um, Miller, books. Miller, but, but that's not true. The, uh, no, it's, there was it's, the drug books, the Neil Adams. Yeah. Books. Yeah. The Neil Adams <laughs> and Denny O'Neill books. Right. Yeah. My, Where they my, were... my, my wards on heroin <laughs> and he yeah. showed him with a needle in his arm. <laughs> it was like, it was cool. Can you talk a little bit uh, to sort of that uh, launch of uh, John Stewart as Green Lantern in 71? Yeah. Well, again, it, it's the whenever at the time it was whenever Hal Jordan was out, um, they needed somebody to cover the, the um, quadrant. And in reality, it was Guy Gardner Ooh. and... Um, <laughs> Then everybody knows him as the one punch guy, yeah. <laughs> John Stewart and Hal Jordan. And whenever Hal Jordan's out, then John Stewart would become Green Lantern. And it was a, it was a good idea, but they didn't really use him a lot because it was like 99 percent of the stories were Hal Jordan was here. So he didn't show up. He showed up like for Christmas kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Wasn't there a period towards the 80s where he was more primarily the featured Green Lantern or am I just misremembering There's that? Green Lantern. He had his own series for a while called Green Lantern Mosaic. Yeah. And uh so yeah, and for a while he was after um I must say that was in the 90s or is it 2000s when Justice League uh the Justice League cartoon came yes. out. Yes. And he became a really, he became the Green Lantern of the series now. More so yeah. now than Hal Jordan. Hal Jordan's usually like, Hal Jordan's out. So we, John Stewart's a Green Lantern now. So. You know, this is, this is probably a good point to uh, talk a little about Dwayne McDuffie. If we're talking about, ah. um, if we're talking about uh, <laughs> Justice League and, yeah. um, and whatnot. So, um, he, he, he created the milestone. He, he along with, uh, a few others created Milestone Comics. Yeah, so. And they yeah. did Static, Icon, Hardware, Rocket, uh, Icon, Blood Syndicate, uh, Zombie, a whole bunch of black heroes in the 2000s. And while Dwayne McDuffie was involved with uh, Justice <laughs> mm-hmm. League and Justice, Justice League Unlimited. And Static Shock. Yeah, but, but with those two, he wrote... Um, he either wrote, produced, or story edited edited sixty nine of the ninety one episodes. Yeah, which was great having that. And I don't mean this as a as a pun, but under his stewardship, <laughs> um, <laughs> because we got to see more John Stewart. And I think for a generation, John Stewart became the Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. But okay, let's talk about Static a bit, because um, I was only familiar with the. Um, animated version which was mm-hmm. i guess on kids wb when my yep. kids were watching the other shows as well and they would watch that but do you want to tell us a little bit about the character static well in the comic all the milestone books also is like because like every like dc all their black heroes only did stuff in the ghetto <laughs> which is is kind of weird but uh and the same thing with all the milestone books it's like Static Shock, um, Hardware Icon. Icon is the ver- there is the black version of Superman. Hardware is the black version of Iron Man, and but they all work basically in the <laughs> and and they have like most of most of it started with an explosion that they were using some new toxic chemical on a gang fight. And that turned uh, bang babies. That turned everybody into a lot of people who were there into bang babies. Static got his powers from there. Um, not I, Icon didn't. Icon was he's a he's Superman, so he came from another planet to Earth. He came and stayed through slavery. So he's he's a superhero who lived through slavery to today. <laughs> and because. Uh, so he doesn't age that much either. I didn't think about that. So he doesn't age like normal. He's an alien. 
Yeah. <laughs> and um, so there's a lot of superheroes in the Marvel, in the DC. A Blood Syndicate was a gang, <clears throat> and they got their powers from there. From the big, from the the, they became Bang Babies, and they decided that they're gonna take care of their neighborhood and do stuff in their neighborhood. So, so yeah, it's it's like Milestone is a great series of books. I've got some here. I've got some of the new, like this is a Blood Syndicate issue. Um, this was their the Milestone thirty thirty. Oops. 30 years of comics from Milestone. 30. Mm. I didn't even think it was 30 years ago. Wow. God. Yeah, 90s. Yeah. <laughs> 30 years. It's It's been a long time. Yeah. <laughs> As you, uh, you know, we were talking a minute ago, too, about uh, Justice League mm-hmm. and um, in the in the animated world. And... Um, I was trying to remember who the actor was who voiced Martian Manhunter. And so wow. I, you know, I checked it out and it's Car- uh, Carl Lumbly. Yes. Um, mm. so he, he was he, uh, in one of the um, Star Treks. Yep. I remember right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, so he did Martian Manhunter on Justice League, Justice League Unlimited mm-hmm. and Static Shock. Mm-hmm. But he also portrayed TV's first black superhero Mantis. Mm. Ah, yes. I Which is like, holy crap, how important is Carl Lumley to all of this? And as a I, Stephen King fan, he played uh, Dick Halloran and Mike Flanagan's Dr. Sleep. You seem distracted today. It's Calvin. I caught him playing Mantis again. <laughs> Seems harmless enough. I might enjoy playing Mantis. But why were his age? It's not the way I'm bringing him up, that's all. Violence met with violence leading to more violence. Maybe you misunderstand him. I thought the idea of Mantis was to stop the violence. No, Miles. It's all part of the same cycle. I don't want him exposed to it. I don't want him growing up in that kind of world. What other kind is there? A safe world where people don't hate and hurt each other. Where he can feel secure and loved. I used to live in a world like that. There was only one problem with it. What's that? It didn't exist. Tomorrow, then? I'll see you tomorrow. I, 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 at Astro, this last Astronomicon, I showed some episodes of Mantis. <laughs> I guess it was like, oh, yeah, I got Mantis. It's like I should show some mantis. I also showed uh I was gonna show um Shaft, but I couldn't get a copy of Shaft in time. Mm. Oh no. Yeah, you know, talking heroes, so you gotta have Shaft too. Yeah, no, great, I know great theme. But too. I did show I did show Static Shock. I showed uh the Black Panther animated series. Um yeah. There's lots of stuff. Oh, I also show like I said, there's a TV series called Naomi. She's a black superhero. Um, it lasted one seat. I knew it was only going to last one season on CW. Uh, then there was, uh, Tom Swift, like the old book series of the mm-hmm. Tom Swift, you know, and his magic, not magic and his technical, whatever technical device it is. He built every year because he's a genius. So they mm. they they did a new version of it and made him black. Um, oh, okay. That lasted one season. <laughs> yeah, it seems. Well, oh, I still and, have a yeah. I still have a copy of uh, Tom Swift and his Repellatron Skyway. Yes, yes. And then there's always Black Lightning, the TV series where you got Black Lightning, Thunder and Lightning, and and Tobias Whale and all the all the superheroes from. The ghetto kind of basically, because even in that one Justice League, are in they they wanted him to join, but he didn't. Black Lightning didn't think he didn't want to join because they there's lots of stuff happening on in the neighborhood that he has to take care of, and they're just different. Yeah. But in Young Justice, which is on a new series, which is just as good as Justice League Unlimited. He's one of the 
Heroes in Justice League. Uh, nope. Is that Justice the one that's, is it that one animated or live yeah, action? Because animated. there's two sort of Teen Titans shows. One is live action and one is not. And oh, um, no, no, this is an animated series on, on, um, it's called Young Justice. Great series. Yeah. It's like, it's all, yeah, it's basically all uh, like cohort, all the sidekicks, you know. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's Teen Titans, but it's better version of Teen Titans. Now, David mentioned as one of his uh, favorite or earliest um, black superhero memories, uh, Blade. Did you want to talk a little bit about Blade, both the comics and the uh, the film series? I like the film series. Film series mm-hmm. was great. Uh, I know the comics somewhat, but I'm not a big Marvel person. I'm a DC person. But... Like I said, they couldn't. I I know the new Blade, the new series that they may or may not do. <laughs> well, at least they have plans on doing it, but you never know when it's gonna come out. Is uh, I would hope that they at least have Wesley Snipes in there as just as a walk on or something. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know, but sometimes mm. they never do stuff like that. But in the in the movie series, it's a great movie series. Well, I don't know if you watch um, what we do in the shadows, but yeah. there, there, yeah, there was a, a an episode I think in season one where there was a vampire council, and they had Wesley Snipe um, zooming into the vampire council meeting because <laughs> they they were suggesting that he's an actual vampire. And, well, he is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, anyway, I thought that was a great little touch having him as part of it. Hilarious uh, show. Um, uh, I, that's the show. There's so many shows, and that's one of the ones I wanted to watch. Yeah, right. Too many. I know. I've been trying to get Fargo going, and I like something keeps coming up. Yeah. But uh, oh, and I guess I mean again, not superheroes, but I mean, we could even talk about Fargo season four. But that's again probably uh, you know <laughs> another day. <laughs> but it, okay. it, like I said, Blade two, Blade was an excellent ser- movie. Blade two was good. Mm. <laughs> They've all been great. I, I like them all. Yeah, I, yeah, I like the- um, Chris Christopherson in a supporting role. Norman Reedus, it's very cool because before he became famous on The Walking Dead, mm-hmm. he had a good role in the second um film. I forgot that because I watched Blade again and Sanaa Latham or Latham is the main woman that ends up getting bitten. He's trying to help her out and all that right. kind of stuff. And she went on to be a major character in Alien versus Predator. <laughs> uh, where she was bringing the, the the people out on the, and she was an expert on, um, you know, how to survive in the winter and all that stuff. Um, one thing I just wanted to say, because we're probably getting nearer to the end, and we, we did want to ask you about your your favorite Catwoman, but uh, one of the things that that I find watching a film because there was all that time during the Avengers where Nick Fury would show up at the end of the film, because they were all leading towards a big Avengers film. So mm-hmm. at the end of each standalone, at the end of the credits, Nick Fury would show up and like ask whoever it was about the Avengers initiative. So mm-hmm. whenever I watch a film, even today, I wait until the end of the credits, hoping that Nick Fury will show up and ask Barbie or Oppenheimer or Wonka to join <laughs> the Avengers initiative. It's just a hope that I ha- he that hasn't yet. Be- that would be cool because I could see him asking um, Oppenheimer to be like the new Reed Richards of the <laughs> of the Marvel Universe, and that would be cool. Right, or Barbie yeah. as the new Black Widow. Mm. Yeah, that would be very cool. Yeah, that would work. Uh, now I know that you know probably essential to our discussion and and where things have gone in the in the past say twenty years mm-hmm. is just the idea of representation on screen mm-hmm. and i mean again david and i two white guys so there's not much we can add there because it's not like there's been a lack of white guys on screen before no. but i'll say as a canadian as a canadian it always used to frustrate me where it's like why are we just dealing with america like don't they know that there's a country just north of the border here and so i consider I w- us i consider like us down here in rochester i consider us southern ontario yeah mm-hmm. I've always said Maine should be a part of Canada too. Yeah. You know, but um, I was so happy the day that uh, Captain Canuck 
came out in 1975. And it was like, finally, we're, we're, it's a, a Canadian character and a, uh, uh, you know, set in places like Ottawa and Toronto. Um, of course, we later got Wolverine and Al- Alpha Flight, which was awesome. Yeah. But so uh, it was nice that finally there was something there. Anyway, that's, that's it for me. Like, poor me as a white Canadian guy. Get the little violin out. I know. But let's talk about representation. It's amazing mm-hmm. now that you know we've had people like a-list actors like will smith is dead shot idris elba's blood sport holly berry both as storm and catwoman so repping no, both nobody who likes her as catwoman i know but i mean it's, <laughs> it's it was a really bad movie <laughs> it was it was but still it's a very nice looking D- dvd cover oh yeah, yeah yeah <laughs> you know and it won a bunch of razzies <laughs> yeah there you go and sometimes a bad film is much more enjoyable than a decent film Oh, were we talking about the Fast and Furious movies earlier? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, another set. If you want to watch bad movies, Expendables. Mm, yeah. Well, that's, that's another set of just bad movies. Yeah. Not bad mm. movies, but you get all the act, you get all the action heroes together in a movie. You got Jean Claude Van Damme. You mm. got everybody. Stallone, Stratham. Everybody's in there, and yeah, yeah. they're all being. They even got Arnold in them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, so. like an all-star team. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, we even got you know we now have like Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury, which you know mm. say twenty I years still ago, kind of mm-hmm. like the one with uh, um, Hasselhoff, the Hasselhoff Nick Fury. Why don't I remember that? What what is what? Hey, hold was, on, refresh my memory here. David Hasselhoff was Nick Fury, agent of Shield. Right. <laughs> they, did a, they did a movie. Yeah. Him and uh, Renna. What's her name? What um, Lisa Renner? Yeah. Yeah. Back in the eighties, I think. Yeah. So yeah, something like that. Oh, it was. Wow. Okay, I have to look the for eye that. patch and everything, and the cigar, and the cigar, and the cigar. This was back before. You, after this before you can and you can smoke in comics and stuff after some little kids said to that marvel's heroes shouldn't be smoking they got rid of smoking even though wolverine can smoke because he's got the healing factor but they just got rid of smoking mm-hmm. and so they, they changed everybody's look well i do think we need to address david's question mm-hmm. uh wayne about uh your favorite black catwoman I have to out of the three there. I'd have to say Eartha Kitt. Because oh. she she was cat. She just seemed to be Catwoman. Although Zoe Kravitz was pretty good in this last one, um, I have to say Eartha Kitt was number one for cat for Catwoman, and then probably Zoe Kravitz, and then um, Halle Berry more for Storm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, a great Storm. Mm-hmm. Um, anywhere you, anything you want to touch on before we head towards the finish line? Mm, I don't think so because I can just talk about anything and everything. And next thing I know, oh, I did like Amanda Waller in uh, the Wall. Oh, in in uh, Suicide in, Squads in, in Suicide Squad, and what's the one with uh, uh, um, the John Cena? The wrestler. Oh, a peacemaker. Peacemaker, yes. Oh, same same Amanda Waller. Same Amanda Waller. Nice. Yes, and she's going to be in everything in this new DC universe. That's right, because she's. I guess don't. Oh, I might be wrong. I think I'm. I'm I'm conflating. I was going to say I think she was at the end of uh, the recent Shazam, but I don't think she was. I think it was like other her underlings went to recruit. uh, Mm -hmm. Oh, I almost said Captain Marvel. I'm a bad boy. Shazam, Shazam, Captain Marvel. Yeah, you know the big red cheese. Not cap. Yeah, the the big red cheese. You know he's not Captain Marvel. I still think I'm a Captain Marvel. Yeah, but yeah. Oh, let me ask you. What do you think of the? it's been gone for a little bit now, but the Watchmen series. I just rewatched I like season. the Watchmen series. Yeah. It's excellent. I liked how they started off with the reparation stuff. And it, w- it was really good. 
Yeah, I'm going to do a rewatch now. I just did the first two episodes yesterday, yeah. um, and I'm and I don't think that I ever finished it for whatever it's, reason. It's I a think good series, yeah. and and um and it ties into the you know it definitely ties into a movie because everybody's there in some form. Yeah, and I mean that's the thing about anything that's done now. It's like it has to somehow exist you know, in, in a, not post, but in a Black Lives Matter world. Right. Um, so as a result, the stories are super intense. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm always blown away, even Lovecraft Country. Like oh, yeah. I, I'm just, it. I find them so intense because of their connection to reality. Yeah. That, um, Cause it's like, well, yeah. well, it's just, it's a comic book movie. Well, that's, so set, so we, like with most speculative fiction, we can put reality in here. And people mm. won't care because it's it kind of is just a fantasy type thing. But we'll just put some reality in it to slap people in the face. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, we know what this is really about, yeah. you know, and and that's good. Yeah. I, I well, I I like that in my fiction anyway. That's why I like the Twilight Zone. I like the fact that you don't have to get into a lot of world building. This is the world we know, and something is going weird with it. Oh yeah, I, like I said, I like every incarnation of twilight zone some like everything some episodes are better than some other episodes but it's still a great series because mm. they all add up they're all enough of every season to be good there's not episodes that make it good and there's 156 of the original ones and i'm only like 10 away from having them all so, i've seen them all so yeah so, yeah. I, I haven't seen a lot of the Forrest Whitaker ones, but I I, I remember those. I love the eighties ones. I just oh, I need to buy the Forrest Whitaker ones. Buy them both. before oh, before everything disappears. Yeah, I know because and I'm it, a physical media guy, so yeah, like I, yeah. I want my stuff. It's hard to find, it, and and like I said, with uh, um, I got a copy of Naomi because I figured it's only one season, so I got me a copy of Naomi. I got a copy of Tom Swift. I try to get copies of stuff I like because it's like you can't mm. find it anywhere else. It's like it's like Naomi. I don't even think it's streaming anywhere right now, and uh, and it should be either on CW or uh, Max, but it's not. Mm. And and Naomi has the whole big thing about the first episode is Superman's having a fight over the town. And she runs a Superman blog. So it's like, it's a big DC part. And Hawkman's in it. A a version of Hawkman. Mm. So, yeah. It's it's a pretty good series. Well, it only lasts one season, so. As good as you can get with one season. I know it weren't going to be that long. Especially since it was at the time where DC got when CW got sold and HBO bought Max and they got rid of the the um Barbara George, Barbara Gordon movie, Batgirl movie and oh oh, oh right black uh oh uh, Bat- Batwoman 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 yeah. I keep saying. Batwoman that's a three season no two two three season series too Batwoman yeah I think she's the Batwoman for two and three <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, and she showed up in the season finale uh in the series, this last series of Flash episodes. Yeah, CW kind of shortchanged all of those when they yeah. wrapped when they wrapped up the whole Arrowverse, which is too bad because yeah. there was a lot of good stuff there for a number of years. Yeah, even what's his name made a, an appearance in uh, like this last season of Flash, uh Stephen Amell. Yeah. He came back as the Spectre. It's like I still want to see him in the green cloak and the white, mm-hmm. uh, but they 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 aren't doing superhero. <laughs> he yeah. can't. It's like in the X first X Men movie. What do you expect? Yellow spandex? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> it's going to be the Deadpool movie now. <laughs> uh, should we put a bow on it, Dave? Yeah, um, I think we've covered a lot. There's there's a limit to how much one can cover in just one episode. But I'm glad that we were able to cover what we did. And 
Uh, Wayne, thank you so much for being our guest. No, yeah, no problem. I got my dog here. He's he's zonked out on the after after I gave him a couple of treats, he just decided to go take a nap. <laughs> yeah, mine's <laughs> behind me too. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us. It was great to uh to actually meet you, Wayne. No, cool. It's it's cool being on. Yeah. Uh please remember to catch us on all your favorite podcast providers, uh folks, whatever you listen to. I tend to go to Spotify these days, but uh you can go to our website at two numeric two of dot ca um and interact as much as you like with us on Facebook at two old farts talk sci-fi, nothing numeric there, all just words. Uh please uh tell a friend, like and subscribe, and all of those wonderful things. I am David Clink. And I'm Troy Harkin. See you all for our next episode of Two Old Farts. Talk sci-fi. <laughs>